Labor Day weekend. I, I, was, I was peeking in on a lot of your conversations. Everybody who said you're having a barbecue, I was taking pictures. I know who's having one, so I might crash, crash one of yours tomorrow. Hey, so uh, New York is an amazing city. It's probably one of the most diverse cities in the entire place, in this entire planet. Hey, you have people from every religion, every um, socioeconomic background, every type of job. People wear their jeans all types of ways. Some people super skinny jeans, some people still wearing them baggy, right? Hey, but there's one thing that almost every New Yorker has in common. One thing that almost every New Yorker has in common, and it's this. Hey, we're not known for being the most patient people in the world. Right? If you're new to New York and you're visiting for the weekend, my apologies uh, in, in advance for something somebody is going to say to you. And I'm certainly no, uh, no exception to this rule. Uh, my wife gets on me all the time. Uh, every time we're about to go on vacation, she gives me uh, a speech like, listen, we're leaving New York. Calm down. <laughs> chill out. I'm like, all right, all right, I got it, I got it, I got it. And sometimes before we even hit the George Washington Bridge, uh, somebody will be in front of me and they're stopped at a green light. Green means go, right? And I can feel the devil in my fingertips wanting to honk a horn and say some pretty, pretty not nice things to them. Or if this one is true for anybody who hangs around with Christians, right? Have you ever been around somebody who prays for like 38 minutes? I went to a prayer breakfast once, and side note, they should never have prayer breakfast. Like, you should either pray or you should eat. Like, you shouldn't combine the two. It's not... It's not a good idea. So we went to a prayer breakfast, and we had gotten around the entire room, and we got to the last guy, and uh, I can smell the bacon wafting in the room from the other, from the other spot. And this dude decided that he was going to outpray everybody. <laughs> this guy prayed for at least 16 minutes. He was praying for everything. He was praying for, like, Trinidad to do well in the Olympics, for, <laughs> for, for Tupac to come back from the dead. I'm like... And it, it took every little piece of Jesus on the inside of me to keep from swinging. I almost swung on it. So, hey, I, I'm not an expert on, on, on patience. And it turns out the word for patience in the Greek is a word called makrothumos. Uh, makro meaning long and thumos meaning heat or uh, temperature from the word we get thermometer. And it basically means that it takes you a long time to get angry. It takes you a long time to get hot. And I am not... A, a long-tempered person. I gotta be honest, and you guys can't judge me on this, all right? Every time when I'm running down the stairs trying to catch a subway, and there's somebody like leisurely scrolling in front of me, checking their phone, I wanna kick them in their back. <laughs> I've never done it. I've never done it. But if you did it, I wouldn't be mad at you. So patience is a virtue. And it's not something uh, that I would say a lot of us in here have. See, when I become impatient, I turn into an angry, self-centered jerk that nobody wants to be around. And I bet for you, when you turn impatient, you turn into an angry, self-centered jerk that nobody wants to be around. Now, fortunately for us, we're in this book of James, and James is an incredibly practical book. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at all of the wonderful things that James has been pointing out. And here's what James's theme is. James is, is not a book that deals with like really deep theological issues. James comes to a group of Christians and says, hey, if you really believe the things that you say you believe, then this is how you should live. And it addresses issues like favoritism and how you speak and how you treat people and how you deal with conflict. And all of these things are actually microscopes into our hearts. 
that all of these issues, even though we think that they're just small, tangential things that we do on the side, James lets us know that if you really believe in Jesus the way you say you believe, then this is how you should live. Now, we said it for a couple of weeks, and I think it's so important that I should repeat it again today. Uh, James, even though it's about our behavior, James is not about you uh, getting a list of things to do so that God will like you. James is not about adding a, a list or a laundry list of things to make you feel guilty that you're not doing. James is coming to Christians that are already in relationship with God and saying, hey, if you're already in relationship with God, then this is how you should act. James is not giving us a list of things uh, to try to earn anything from God. Uh, one of the best ways I know how to describe this is growing up, uh, and a lot of you guys will feel me on this, you might even get nervous getting the, the, the memory of it, is when I would do something bad growing up, my mother would call me out by my entire name, right? Jordan Lawrence Rice. And she would say it slow, and you just knew, like, it didn't matter what you were doing, but you knew right in that moment, you need to go sit down somewhere. And here's why she would call out your whole, my whole name, and why a lot of your mothers did that to you. Because you must have slipped and bumped your head and forgotten who you are, and that's why you're acting like this. And here's what James is getting at, right? I, I never lost the sonship of being my mother's son when I was acting up. I never became less of a son or more of a son based on how I was acting. But she said to me, like, hey, you must have forgotten who you really are, so let me remind you real quick of who you really are. And here's what James is trying to accomplish in us, trying to remind us of who we really are and what God is calling us to live like. So we're in James, and let me reread the scripture. It's a, it's a short one. It says, be patient then, our brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Now, James is digging in today into patience as a virtue, as something that God is calling us to as Christians. And here's why. Patience is not just about you being irritated by somebody on the subway. Patience is not just about you having a short temper with your spouse. Patience is not just about the way you deal with your coworkers too harshly. Patience is not just about how you approach uh, parenting your children. It's not just all of these things on the surface level. James is, is letting us know that our patience or our lack thereof is actually a window into our own heart. Impatience exposes the weaknesses of our hearts to doubt, to question uh, the goodness of God, to wonder if he in fact is with us, to wonder if God is faithful to his promises, if God will make the provisions that he has promised uh, to make us. And here's the overarching thing that we're going to look at today. In order for you to be patient, it's, it's going to require more than just you to, you know, ball up your fist and say, hey, I'm going to be more patient today. Patience is going to require you to believe something different. It's going to require, for you to be a patient person, it's going to require that you believe that God has been patient with us. Patience requires that we believe that God has been patient with us. And today we're looking at James 5 and what he has to, to say. It. And let me give you guys a, a brief definition of what I think a good working definition of patience is. Patience is quietness of heart and rest of soul in the face of uncomfortable delay. 
Now, when, when, when there's delay in your life, whether it's a person who's taking too long to hurry up and come, if, if it's somebody stopped at a red light or a green light, or, and I think James would get, dig to a deeper level, if it's a patience issue with God, that God is taking too long, that you've been praying for something over and over and over and over again, and God seems like he's just up in heaven playing words with friends. <laughs> See, in order for us to be patient people, it's going to require that we believe that God has been patient with us. Now, you need patience in almost every single area of your life. I can't think of a more, uh, a more Christian virtue than patience. And, and here's why patience is so, so immensely important. Because underneath patience is really trust. See, if we really uh, trusted God, not just uh, trusted God to, to be who he is, but to trust God in our lives, that he would do things in his timing and in his way, and that his timing and his way was better than our timing and our way, we'd be able to have patience. But there's a number of areas, a number of times in our life when you're really going to need patience. And, and James digs into them in chapter 5, verse 7 through 11. And, and these, the first of these times is, is this, when situations are uncontrollable. Hey, so James highlights the first time you're really going to need patience or uh, an instance, a scenario that you're really going to need to make sure that you're operating in patience is when situations are uncontrollable. And the first illustration that he uses is about a farmer uh, and to teach us that um, patience is, is required when our situations are uncontrollable. Now, he comes to Christians and he's, uh, uh, I'll start off in verse 7. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until... Um, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. Now, this might shock you a little bit, but there are no farms in Harlem, right? There's a couple of gardens. There's a couple uh, of the Central Park. which has a lot of plants and shrubbery, but there are no farms in, in Harlem. And in order for you, if you're thinking about leaving the city and going upstate and becoming a farmer, listen, you, don't wanna, you definitely don't want to do that if patience is not your number one virtue. And here's why. Because farming is all about patience. It's all about waiting. Waiting to till the soil. Waiting to plant. Waiting to water. Waiting for the rains. And here's the, the thing that James is getting at about farming. There are so many things in farming that are beyond the farmer's control. The farmer doesn't control the temperature. The farmer doesn't control the climate. The farmer doesn't control the economic climate. The farmer doesn't control all of these things that are vital to making their primary industry work that they are reliant on something that they absolutely cannot control. And James points to the farmer as an, excuse, as, a, as an example of what it looks like to wait and to be patient. Now, it doesn't matter how much that farmer complains. It doesn't matter how much that farmer worries. It doesn't matter how much that farmer talks about uh, their crop. It doesn't matter if the farmer were to do the, the nay-nay rain dance, right? <laughs> it's going to come. The rain is going to come when it's going to come. And it is completely out of their control. Hey, there are going to be instances, and there probably are instances in your life right now that are uncontrollable by you. And the first thing you need to do is to rid yourself of this dangerous delusion that you're in control of anything, really. And a lot of times, our impatience wells up inside of us because deep down inside, we're believing this lie that we're in control of more than we really are. The reason your situation is the way it is is because you can't control it. And we're impatient. We have anxiety about all these situations that we physically cannot control. So the first thing that James does is point us to a farmer and say, listen, not only is your impatience 
um, unreasonable, but it's unnecessary because, listen, there's nothing that you can do to, to change the situa situation. If you can change it, change it. If not, you should be patient. Later in the scripture, uh, James gets into um, why the farmer is able to wait. And, and here's a little bit of theology of patience right here. See, a farmer knows, even though he or she has invested uh, probably sometimes a year's worth of their, of their salary, their income, they invested in laborers, they invested in machinery, they invested in seed, they invested in all of these things just to take everything they have and bury it. They take all of their seed and they, and they hire people and they buy uh, really expensive machines just to take everything and bury it where they can't see it. Now, what if patience for us looked like taking all of the stuff that we have, all of our energy and our resources, and it was God working on stuff behind the scenes where we couldn't see it? See, James reminds us of the farmer, let us know that not every situation is controllable and not just uncontrollable, but sometimes we have no idea what's happening. But the farmer knows that year after year, every time you plant, fruit comes and grows up. And a lot of us have amnesia about what God has done in our lives before. The second situation, the second reason, or second time that James stresses that you really need to be, um, uh, have patience is when people are unchangeable, right? When people are unchangeable. Now, does anybody know anybody that's really, really stubborn? If you're sitting next to them, it might be a little awkward right now, right? My wife is nodding her head really, really hard. That's a little embarrassing. Right? When, when people are unchangeable. James says it like this, as an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. Right, there's a ton to say in the scripture right here, uh, but I, I want to unpack uh, just one example of what James is talking about here. So take a prophet, for example, like somebody like Isaiah, and God comes to Isaiah, and he's like, Isaiah, I want you to go to these people, and I want you to say this message for like two or three decades, and by the way, FYI, they're never going to believe you, all right? Go get them, champ. <laughs> See, God calls Isaiah to a people... Uh, in Scripture, they call them a stiff-necked people, people who won't turn. And uh, James gives us this example now to let us know that some people are unchangeable. And guess what? Your impatience is not going to change them. Your impatience with people, your impatience with your spouse, your impatience with your coworkers, your impatience with your kids is not going to do anything beneficial. And James calls us to look at the prophets as people who labored for years and years, and years, and years, and years, dealing with people who are hard-headed, who would never change their minds. A lot of times, we're dealing with people who are unchangeable. But here's the thing again, patience requires that we believe that God has been patient with us. And it shows us a little bit of what our hearts really believe. And here's what our hearts really believe most of the time. Our hearts really believe most of the time that, yo, I'm doing a really great job, and this person over here, yeah, they're kind of stinking it up. And they need to hurry up and change just as fast as I did. Or they need to hurry up and do and, and be just as great as I am. And you know what that is? It's a person that's not relying at all on the grace of God in their own lives. And that impatience shows us how much we really view ourselves and how we really view our, ourselves and we put ourselves on pedestals on top of other people. Patience requires we believe that God has been patient with us. Now, listen, I know a, a lot of you guys in here are Christians, but there's always every single week somebody in here who's trying church out for the first time, and you're like, listen, I don't know that, you know, God needs to be patient with me. I, you know, I'm a good person. I've, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't kicked anybody in the steps, you know, on, on the subway platform, right? I don't need God to be patient with me. 
Listen, Jesus really only rocks with people who need him. Not like people who can just add Jesus as an ingredient to, to their life. Jesus only rocks with people that absolutely, desperately need him. When Jesus described himself in, in, in Mark 1, he says, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've come to call the right, uh, not the righteous, but the sinners. And hear this. It was the religious Pharisees, the super religious people of the day that had the hardest time being patient with other people and also receiving Jesus because they were so content in how great they were on their own. See, patience requires that we believe that God has been patient with us. And we'll see later on how that plays out. Now, the third example that James gives us is uh, found in verse 11. It's from the, the story of Job. Now, if you guys have um, ever been looking for a, a place in the Bible, a story to read, man, Job is an amazing, amazing uh, way for you to start. It's one of the best pieces of literature in all of literature. If you're looking for a place to dive in and just read a book of the Bible, I would suggest uh, you start with Job. Uh, but the third way is that when problems are unexplainable. Problems are unexplainable. This is how he says it in verse 11. He says, you have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And the story of Job is a story of unexplainable pain, right? So this is Job. Job is killing it. He's working downtown in finance. He has a crazy five-bedroom apartment, two dishwashers. He has, like, he, is, he has it all, washer, dryer. He has it all, doorman, outdoor space. He's killing it. His wife is beautiful. He has kids that like perfect Instagram picture kids, right? They get like 500 likes every picture. The kids are always smiling. They're doing great in school. And then the next day, everybody dies. Then he loses his job. Then he gets a sickness. And the only people that God left in Job's life were negative people that told him to curse God and die. So God took everybody else out and said, hey, I'm going to leave you with these three wonderful people right here, and they're just going to keep on telling you over and over again, hey, you should curse God, man. You should curse God. Now, Job's story is one of unexplainable pain and sorrow. And here's why James uh, includes this in James 5. Because if you're a Christian, if you believe the stuff that you say you believe, James wants us to put our trust, to put our hope in our Savior and not our situation. James includes this to let us know, listen, there are some times in your life where you'll be going through something, and for some of you guys, it's right now, that it doesn't make any sense. And no matter how much you try to explain it, no matter how much other people try to explain it, no matter how much you talk to other pastors about it, it doesn't make sense. And in that situation, you're going to have to fight. You're going to have to fight the, the impatience that's going to be welling up inside of your heart. When you look around and compare your life to everybody else's and you're saying, this is not fair, this person, uh, their life is w much better than mine is and I'm, I'm living better than they are or whatever the case is. In those moments, you're going to have to fight against imp impatience, anxiety, and taking God to your court. You're going to have to fight to trust your Savior and not your situation. So there are times in Scripture where, where James implores us, listen, times in our lives when you're going to need patience above all things, when situations are uncontrollable, when people are unchangeable, and when our problems are unexplainable. Now, this is the reason James uh, digs into this. Because when we start to lose sight and lose focus of who God is in our lives, that's when we start to sink. Uh, one of my favorite uh, scriptures in, in the New Testament and the Gospels is a story about a man named Peter. And Peter was a follower of Jesus. And uh, Peter sees Jesus walking on water. He says, yo, this is dope. 
Jesus is walking on water. He says, Jesus, if it's you, call me to come out and I'll come. Jesus says, yeah, it's me. Peter hops out, swipes his Metro card, and gets out the <laughs> boat onto the water. And it, here's the part that I love about that story in Matthew 14. Peter was walking on water with Jesus, and the second that his, his head started to turn to the left and to the right to look at the waves and everything bristling around him, he started to sink, right? Scripture says he started to sink, but immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and pulled him up. Listen, when you take your eyes off of your Savior, when you take your eyes off of God and the goodness of God, you could start to sink into impatience, into anxiety, into all these different things, because you could start to be concerned and consumed with the concerns you have that are going on around you. Trust your, your Savior, not your situation. Now, one of the things that um, I love about James is his practicality. And James doesn't just say, hey, this is when you need to be patient, and he ends it. Uh, James digs in not only uh, when you need to be patient, but he also gives us reasons why we need to be patient. He gives us reasons why we need to be patient. And the, the number one reason why you need to be patient, the number one reason why we're going to dig into in, in a second is this. You need to be patient because God is in control. You need to be patient because God is in control. And, and, and part of what God is trying to do in, in our lives is for us to learn how to trust God, not just who he is in a big G in the sky, but to learn to trust him, his methods, his timing over us and our methods and our timing. See, if, if you're somebody who claims to be a follower of Jesus, listen, stick around for a couple of years, and at some point, there's going to be something in your life where you say, I would not have done it like that. And that's the difference between us and God. James lets us know, he says, you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Now, here's what James is calling you to establish your heart in. He's not calling you to establish your heart in a situation. He's not calling you to establish your heart uh, in an outcome. He's not calling you to establish your heart in a hope or a dream or a prayer being answered, although all of these things would be amazing, right? Uh, later in James 5, you see uh, James commanding Christians to pray because God does hear us. God delights in us. So, if, man, God wants to hear your prayers, and God wants to bless us, and God wants to answer us. So this is not saying don't, don't, don't desire anything. But James is getting at to establish our heart not in a situation. And he mentions something that normally Christians talk about on Good Friday. And he talks about the return of Jesus. And this is what James is getting at. That Jesus is alive. Jesus is in control. And one day, I don't know how it's going to happen, other than it won't be like the movie Left Behind, Jesus is coming back. And here's why this is so important. Because a lot of us are living with what Paul Tripp calls eternity amnesia. We think right now is all that there is and ever will be. But Scripture promises us a much different thing. Scripture promises us a, a much different thing than everything being right here and right now. And I'm, I'm not trying to feed you some pie in the sky so that you'll just always look for everything to be in the next life. No, I believe that God is actively working right now in your life. God is actively working in this community. God is actively working in our world right now. But this world ain't all it's going to be. And uh, as uh, Paul Tripp mentioned, James is trying to wake us up from our eternity amnesia. He's calling Christians to wake up because if we lose sight that this is not the destination, but this is meant to be preparation for a final destination, then I'll start to find myself ruled by the, by the desires and the passions that I have to see things happen right now. And you know what's going to happen when this is all you have? When this is all you have, once things go off course a little bit, man, it's going to make you anxious. It's going to make you impatient to hurry up and fix everything. 
Hey, but if there's a God, and if this God is preparing us, not for just right now, but also for eternity, then we can be patient and trust that God is not only in control of our right now, but he is in control of all of eternity. So we can be patient. Now, when we think about things in our life that we want, and last week we talked about our desires and things that we, we hope to get from God. See, a lot of us are impatient right now because we have asked people and things to become our identity. We're looking for people and things to be our meaning. We're looking for people and, and things to be the reason why we live. We're looking for people and things like these, you know, like these rom-coms and these romantic movies. We're looking for these people and things to be the explanation for our existence, and you're never going to find it there. And once you put, attach your, your meaning and your identity to these people and things which come, are go, here one day and gone the next, listen, you're bound to get impatient. But if you anchor, or if you, like James says, if you establish your heart in something that can't move, if you establish your heart and anchor your heart in something that can't die, that can't be corrupted, then you'll learn how to grow in patience. Now, here's one of the most amazing things about uh, what James is getting at about perseverance. He talks about uh, Job in verse 11 again. He says, you have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. See, even though Job had no idea what was going on, God did. And God was working even though things were silent. There's a scripture in the Old Testament about a man named Abraham, and Abraham was an old dude. He had an old wife, and um, I'm not calling her old. Scripture called her old, so no offense. <laughs> and he had an old wife, and uh, they, were, they wanted desperately a child, and God promised them a child. And for years and years and years and years, no kid came. And scripture says something about what was happening inside of Abraham while he was doing all this waiting. In uh, Romans 4 and 20 and 21, it says, but Abraham grew strong in his faith as he grew, grew as he, um, he, Abraham grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Here's the thing, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Here's the thing that God, I think, is wanting to work in the heart of the Christian, that God wants you to grow strong in your faith. God wants you to grow strong in your faith. God wants you to, to have amazing things in life, absolutely, but God wants you to grow strong in your faith. And a lot of times, God wants us to grow strong in our patience, in our faith, and that means that he doesn't answer your prayers the second you ask for it. Abraham grew strong in his faith, and could it be, could it be that the, the thing that you are impatient about that God is desiring to grow your faith in a situation? Could it be, I'm not, I'm not saying it is, could it be that, that God is, is trying to work on the inside of you in the same way that there's, uh, when, you, when you plant, uh, when a farmer plants something, that there's amazing things happening beneath the surface? Could it be that God is trying to develop amazing things inside of you to cultivate who you are, even in times of silence? Now, the, the other reason why you should be... Um, patient is because I think it honors God. I'm going to tell you a quick story about this past week. I was at Bank of America, and um, man, this was like the worst encounter ever at Bank of America. I go there, and I, I needed a notary, and I asked the front counter, and they're like, oh, there's one person in line ahead of you. Have a seat, and then the notary will come out and get you. 45 minutes later, I'm like, yo, this dude, like, how long is this meeting? 
I stand up, talk to the manager. He's like, oh, the notary went out for lunch. Yes, so I was, I was tight. I'm like, wait till this dude gets back. Wait, I'm gonna light this dude up. He comes back and I'm like, he's like, yep, you need a notary? I'm like, yes, I do need a notary. I needed a notary an hour and a half ago. And this is a kicker. He says, hey, what do you do for a living? And on the papers that I needed him to notarize said Renaissance Christian Church. So I had to pull, pull it all back together because I knew in that moment, hey, my impatience, you know, that stuff is, that's not going to honor God, right? In the scripture you see, it says, consider those as blessed those who persevered. Hey, it honors God when we are a patient people and we're not the self-righteous jerks that nobody wants to be around. James mentioned this in scripture, you know, how we can become more patient. And uh, it, it's not anything that's super deep. Uh, he tells us to establish our hearts, and establishing our hearts, uh, I think, means digging down and being rooted in truth. And, and for you, it looks like, I think it can look like, man, spending time to, to focus every single day, whether it's in, in, in uh, reading a, a Bible journal or a, a scripture reading every single day on prayer, uh, certainly in investing yourself in community to establish your hearts in truth that won't change. Because every single day, you're going to have distractions trying to pull you to the left and to the right, to try to blow you from one side to the next. And the second thing that James tells us on what to do is to wait quietly. To wait quietly. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. Now, why does James talk about grumbling or complaining in the middle of patience? I think it's like this, because complaining is like drinking salt water when you're thirsty. Even though it makes you feel better for maybe the next three minutes, eventually it's going to make the problem worse. See, every time you complain about something, I think what James is getting at is this. Uh, it actually blows the situation up and makes it bigger than it really was. And eventually, the more you complain about something, the more you're going to want to complain about something. Like, have you ever found in your life that you complained about something and then it just went away? Like, oh, it went away. That's great. That's never happening and never will happen. Hey, chances are, when you complain about something, the problem gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger in your life. So James says, while you're waiting, in order to be patient, yo, stop complaining. Stop grumbling. Shut up. That's the best way to do it. And the last way James tells us, I think, uh, that we need to wisdom found in Scripture is we need to wait in, in, uh, in confidence and community. You need to wait in community. The best way for you to be strengthened is for you to do it, not just by yourself, but ought to do it in community. And that's, this is the reason... Listen, this is the reason we push community groups at Renaissance. It's not the only way to get into community, but it's a great way. Uh, we don't want to give ourselves more work to do, but we believe that even though your walk with God is personal, it's not individual. And the best way for you to be reminded of God's truths, the best way for you to be reminded of what's really important, the best way for you to be strengthened and equipped to be patient is in community. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for all of the things that you have done in our lives. God, I thank you for just bringing us here today. God, forgive us of all the times that we've been impatient because we didn't trust you. God, help us learn how to, what it means to trust your heart. Jesus, let me pray. Amen.